Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back. And if this is your first time joining us, thanks for checking out the podcast. I have some interesting news before we get into this this podcast. So finally, I shared on uh, last week's episode my issue with uh, missing a turkey and turkey hunting opened up in Pennsylvania here a few weeks ago. Well, on last Monday morning, I got my redemption and was able to kill a nice tom right before work, was able to get it out of the woods and uh, snap a few photos, get the meat out and get to work on time so that was that was awesome so kind of how that hunt unfolded kind of wanted to explain a little bit you know with uh, the big woods turkey hunting so this area was, was completely unlike any of the spots i normally hunt so to go out before work i need to find easily accessible areas and so actually these turkeys i found them on sunday night i was driving around just it was raining out so i was glassing this this brand new clear cut big clear cut and there were some grassy roads and the grass was getting really green and some of the foliage was coming up so i was driving around kind of glassing it not seeing anything no birds and so i parked the truck to get out to walk out on this ridge and listen right before dark and when i shut my truck door i heard alarm putting coming from the clear cut so I pulled up my binos and I was looking, looking, couldn't see anything, kept hearing it. And finally I spotted two birds and the one looked like it was a nice long beard and they're heading in the middle of this clear cut. It was only like very few trees in there for them to roost in, but it was right before dark. So I know they had to be roosting there. So I just kind of got in my truck, backed out and came up with a game plan the next day and so I, I knew the next morning I needed to get in there really, really early. I was planning on getting close as I could to that roost tree. And it keeps getting, if, if you've been out at all, you'd know it's been getting lighter earlier and earlier. So I got in. It was extremely foggy. Um, still pretty dark at this point. I parked way down the road because literally these birds were roosted right off the road. And so it wasn't like a real well-traveled road or anything, but... So I got back in, um, hiked in, and didn't even get to where I wanted to, and I started gobbling already, and it was pretty early. So I was kind of a little bit worried about, you know, uh, I guess getting too close and them seeing me because of how open it was. I didn't have cover of trees. So I got, I was basically right off the road, not too far, and but after I set up, I realized I needed to be a little bit higher up on the hill because I was down below them. And a lot of times these birds don't want to come downhill to you. But at that point, I was already set up and there was actually five different gobblers that were just going nuts on the roost. So waiting for them basically to fly down, gave a couple little um, call, mouth calls, uh, just messing around with uh, Rocky Mountain hunting calls. They have some turkey calls actually so i used them for elk and was decided to try some of their turkey calls out and i've never been able to use mouth calls the just i don't know what it is i just can't make good sound off them but they have uh one one of their uh, single latex one just real uh real easy to use i mean it's basically marketed to beginners with mouth calls but like i said i struggle with it and it's made out of the same material as my my elk calls are so anyways gave them a few locators they knew where i was at i knew where they were and right as it was getting light i had a jeep drive past me i mean like i said i'm right off the road so this jeep drives right right next to me and i was you know kind of i was kind of pissed i'm like geez that, you know that just screwed me up and but i mean he has the right to hunt them too so they, they went past me and turkeys are still gobbling but at that point then they were just flying down i heard i heard to fly down heard them hit and i'm like i need to move i need to get on top of this little hill here because of they're not going to come down through this thick cut and the jeep went down quite a bit further 
So there was, like I said, there were turkeys all through this clear cut. So I just moved up on the road and sat down. And then all of a sudden I hit the call and boom, he was close. Um, but I still couldn't see him. So he was, sounded like he was just like strutting out on this gas wall pad and was able to call him out on the logging road right to me, shot him about 10 yards. This is awesome. It was six in the morning. I mean, I was done by six in the morning, walked up to him and looked at it. And I'm like, no way. I shot off his beard and half of his beard was missing. There was still, you know, a good section that was almost, uh, nine inches. It came out to eight and five eighths, but the other half was like cut clean off, but it was brown and it looked like it's been cut off for a while. So I knew I didn't shoot it off and it was missing a bunch of feathers on its chest and it wasn't. And again, I thought it was from my shot, but after looking at it, it didn't seem to be the case. So, you know, I carried the bird out ended up running into those other hunters that were in the Jeep and they apologized to me because they said, your truck was parked so far down the road. We didn't think you were in here. And you know, that was, it was fine. I was really grateful and that they were nice enough to apologize. And I said, Hey guys, there's, four other birds gobbling here you know go after them so they were they were going to move and try to get on some of the other birds so hopefully hopefully they did well but um so anyways got out of there and was trying to figure out what was going on with the beard my dad says could be what's called beard rot and so i wanted to do some research on what that was and i put a picture up on social media and have people give feedback you know some are saying it's a mite others are saying it froze off could freeze off in the winter you know and then the one that seems to be and again i'm no biologist here but from the information i found it seemed to be the most legit online it comes from a vitamin deficiency could be you know from a tough winter we had a really wet spring things like that and um yeah they just get brittle and break off so yeah it was a probably two-year-old bird you know three quarter inch spurs wasn't anything giant but nice nice bird at that and uh yeah so i was just like that i was tagged out and my season turned around got to take uh my buddy michael paladino and my cousin mason martonic mason had tagged out but we were taking michael out just on saturday here hiked 12 miles heard one bird and that was it no no luck so yeah, that I, I was really happy with the way the the Pennsylvania turkey season went, though. But uh, it's just gotta stick with it, even when you make mistakes and blow the shot here and there, which I tend to do more than I'd like to admit. But um, got back on them, and it was real real good year for for hunting turkeys in Pennsylvania. But uh, other than that, so to jump over to the the apparel side of things, we. Well, I just released a new decal, so it's a little three by three square sticker for the with the Mountain Buck logo on there, and it's black and gray. Pretty cool. It's I had uh, Justy Lorenzo who designed the logo for me, and she has a company called Stickers That Stick. Really tough outdoor vinyl uh, stickers. They can last whether it's on you know cooler. You can put it on your vehicle. You can put them on a you know coffee mug, whatever it might be. These things hold up extremely well. So have those that are for sale on the website. And if you order any other apparel items for the month of May, I'm going to throw in one of those stickers. So just if you're looking to pick up a hat or shirt and wanted the the decal too, we'll th throw one in. So check that out over on the website, eastmeetswesthunt.com slash shop. And now to get into the, the partners here of the podcast, the University of Elk Hunting and Elk 101 by Corey Jacobson is the most comprehensive elk hunting course out there. I mean, it has everything, whether you're a beginner or you're an experienced hunter, elk hunter, they um, have everything in there. So I'm going through the course again. This is my fourth year going through it. And along with a lot of other, a lot of uh, listeners here have been reaching out to me, telling me that they got it and really liked the course, which is awesome to hear. And I'm going through it again, doing my Google Earth scouting and just trying to find these areas, you know, and and 
what's going to be the little hidden gems of these units. Got everything dialed in. I know where I'm going now as far as the units, at least, or the zones in Idaho. Uh, I haven't bought my tag yet, but it's over the counter. There's no cap there, so that I'm not extremely worried about that. But, yeah, getting ready to go. But uh, University of Elk Hunting is giving listeners... 20% off that course by using code East meets West. So check that out. You can go over there elk 101.com and click on the university of elk hunting and check that out. In addition, Maven optics. So Maven, I've been using their glass now for quite a few years. Awesome product, highest quality glass at half the price of their competitors. And they're able to do that through the director consumer business model and basically kind of cutting out the middleman there and just working directly with the customers. So if you haven't heard of Maven, it's because if you haven't came across them on a show or on the website, you wouldn't see it. But what Maven's doing right now is they just released the pre-sale on um, their new S2 spotting scope, which is something that I am extremely pumped about. It's a small spotter. It's a 12 to 27 by 56 millimeter spotting scope. So they are doing a pre-sale right now over on the website. You can go check that out. That spotter, like I said, it only weighs in at, I believe it's 32 ounces. Yeah, it's two pounds. And this spotter is going to be awesome for me in Idaho this year as I'm going to an area with a little bit more open country, can do some glassing, um, fully customizable. Check that out. And they have a, a code for the pre-sale and also the East meets West code that you'll get a free gift with any of the orders there. If you enter an East meets West dash gift at checkout, you will get free gift with any of a full price optic order. So check that out over at mavenbuilt.com. And then lastly, Heather's choice. So Heather has created and is continuing to put out highest quality food for to fuel you in the backcountry or traveling or whatever it might be. Um, high protein, high fats that are really what, what I noticed the biggest difference with having them versus, uh, you know, x brand that's full of you know salt and carbohydrates these her meals help you recover so much better after a long day of hiking you're tired you're wore out yeah you know you don't even feel like eating but you eat the the meal high in calories high in fat and proteins that really help you recover and that's been the biggest thing for me so if you want to go over to heatherschoice.com check out some of the meals any orders over 99 dollars if you enter in the code east meets west you'll get free shipping on that and other than that um if you decide just want to sample some things grab some packaroons um, which are like little coconut cookies just um head over to the website and click on the link that i have under the partners page for heather's choice and go through that and try them out see what you think for yourself but um, so this week's episode, I have JP Vicente coming on. He's from Arizona, uh, works for an outfitter or is an outfitter, Big Chino Outfitters. And uh, JP is full of knowledge and really is talking about the opportunities of, for the most of this podcast, about over-the-counter mule deer opportunities in arizona and specifically the late season which is late december early january hunt that you can get over towner tag tags whether you want to do it diy or if you want to go with an outfitter it's possible and some really great bucks hunting them during their rut which is in you know december january there so hope you like this episode check it out and Feel free to leave a rating and review on iTunes if you like it. Really appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. And today I have on the line, all the way from Arizona, I have JP Vicente on the podcast. JP, what's going on? Hey, what's happening? What's happening? First, I want to thank you so much for... Uh getting a hold of me out here in sunny, beautiful Arizona and having the opportunity to talk about Arizona and 
and how the how the east meets the west it's exciting <laughs> yeah and you had to rub it in by saying sunny beautiful arizona as i'm sitting in single uh digit temperatures in the snow in pennsylvania so <laughs> well that's what we're known for you know it's crazy because it just snowed about 30 inches here a week ago and it's all gone at 68 degrees today and that's typical arizona but 30 inches of snow is not typical, but for it you know, for it to be, you know, within a week of something like that, we don't, the temperatures are just phenomenal. So yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, do you want to get into kind of to start off here, a little bit of background of you and, you know, kind of why I have you on the podcast here, your business and everything? Yeah. Well, first of all, it was JP Vicente and I go by Big Chino, um, started uh, guiding and uh, outfitting in the in the uh, mid to late uh, 80s, like 1987 is kind of how I got established. Uh, when I got out of the military, I became a firefighter and I had a lot of time in my hands. And, um, you know, with my busy work schedule of the fire department, you know, you work 24-hour shifts, so I had a lot of time, free time, and avid outdoor guy. Um, and uh, started guiding and outfitting. And our current, our company's called Big Chino Outfitters. Uh, what's crazy thing about it is I lived in a little town called Chino Valley, Arizona, in the big Chino Valley, and uh, some incredible deer hunting, uh, elk hunting, antelope hunting opportunities here. Um, and I, um, so I kind of named it after where I was uh, at the point where I, I spent most of my time. And the evolution of that, you know, over 30 years now, we've uh, been in business. Um, I had no children at the time. Now my oldest son is 32 years old, same amount of time that when we started a company. Um, but uh, we actually are still in the, the Big Chino Valley, and the majority of the hunts we do are in the Big Chino Valley. We own uh, property and have a hunting lodge in the Big Chino Valley, and we actually run a big hunting lease on some, uh, some ranches, um, over a hundred thousand acres in the middle of the big Chino Valley. And of course there's just tons and tons of public land, you know, that surrounds us in Northern Arizona and to include in the big Chino Valley. And I keep saying that because <laughs> never in my wildest dreams did I believe big Chino outfitters. Um, I didn't really recognize that we would actually literally 32 years later be hubbed right here in having all these great hunting opportunities has just been phenomenal. So uh, it's a family owned and operated businessman. And uh, we've been blessed uh, to be able to hunt big, big mule deer, big elk and big antelope, right? Smack in the middle of where we're at. Yeah. And it's funny because so I, the, and how you and I kind of got connected was I was talking to Alex Templeton, who's a guest on the podcast who had hunted with you just r really recently, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Uh, Alex uh, was with Sitka and Eddie, and uh, uh, she's a farm girl, ranch girl out of Missouri, and uh, big whitetail girl and stuff. And we got to know her through our our uh, outdoor industry partnerships with Eddie and Sitka, and uh, invited her out. And she came out with Donnie Wilson, and um, they hunted uh, over the counter mule deer. Um, it's an archery hunt during the rut. Um, and, uh, she never knew that this opportunity existed and had just one incredible hunt. Um, and those are some of the things that I actually would like to bring to light, um, for people because like Alex, like yourself, people don't realize the incredible hunting opportunities there are in the West, specifically in Arizona. Everybody thinks Arizona is out of touch and that you, you know, it takes 20 years to get a tag when in fact, you can buy a tag every year and come here and hunt if you're an archer. And not only can you just hunt, you can hunt them different times of the year to include right smack in the middle of the rut, which is like one of the most sought after times people want to hunt deer. Yeah. No, and, and that's that's what was so crazy to me because, and before we started recording here, I'd mentioned it to you. I didn't know that there was opportunities like that for Arizona. I just had always heard, and again, this is, you know, me coming from Pennsylvania, not having, you know, a full understanding of all the Western states, but it always sounded like it was out of reach. And you always hear of, you know, you know, the giant elk and, and mule deer and antelope and everything else. And it just seemed like something that, that it was going to take me a lot of years to draw or anything else. So it was particularly interesting for me when I heard about these, you know, over the counter opportunities and just, 
you know, the, the rest of the opportunities that I'm sure you're going to, you know, hit on here in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. But let me just say this. I want to just, just run the subject of over the counter mildew hunting. Uh, I want to talk about it a little bit. I want to explain to the, everybody that's listening, what it really is all about. First of all, I grew up here in Arizona and uh, right smack in the middle of, of, of the country I'm in. And so I've been doing this over the counter hunt my, you know, pretty much my entire life. And um, so the deal is, is that Arizona is set up as such that you buy a, a hunting license, costs $160 for a non-resident. And that hunting license is good for one, 365 days from the time that you designate it to be. So if you've designated it, let's just say that on January 1, you said, hey, I'm going to buy the hunting license and I want it to be good for the year, then phenomenal. It's good till December 31st. If you bought it on January 1, but you said the date you want it to be good was May 1st, then basically it's good from May 1st to April 30th. It doesn't matter. It's a 365-day license. Now, you have to obtain a hunting license in Arizona, hunting and fishing, in order to hunt or fish. Now, the next step they have is a tag process. So you have this hunting license and you have a tag. Now, most Arizona tags, is what everybody thinks and knows, is that you apply through an application process, through a drawing process, and you get a, you know, you'll, you'll get awarded a tag through a lottery system with a bonus point system. And that's real common. I mean, most rifle hunts, uh, every rifle hunt for the most part in Arizona, um, and um, elk tags and desert bighorn sheep tags and antelope tags and even rifle deer tags are all tags that require a draw now the stigma at hand is that everybody thinks it takes 20 years to draw a tag when in fact that's not that's not the case you can buy an over-the-counter meal deer tag that tag is good for the calendar year so if you bought it on January 1 and there is a hunt that's going on in January and it's in right in the middle of our rut, our rut actually starts on Christmas Day, um, and that hunt goes from January 1 to the 31st, that tag is valid if you didn't fill it the next time there's an open season, which would be this year, for instance, would be August 23rd through September 12th. So you have January 1 through January 31, August 23rd through September 12th. August 23rd to September 12th, you're going to be hunting summer bucks. The bucks are in full velvet. They're bastard up, very docile. You know, there's a, 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 definitely it's a spot and stock type of a hunt. You can kill deer off of uh, patterned, you know, movement patterns off the trail cameras at waters or wherever, you know, you determine it to be. Most of it's spot and stock. If you don't feel that tag then, that tag is still valid in the month of December the next time it opens. And the hunt typically opens around mid-December this year, I think it's, it's December 13th. And, and that tag is valid all the way through December 31. Now in December, what happens is we get our pre-rut that starts around mid, mid-December and our rut usually starts right around Christmas time. And I mean, it's really rolling hard around Christmas. And again, the rut will go basically, let's say from Christmas till January 31 is when it's open, even though the rut kind of slops into February, but obviously the tags close by the 31st. The point I'm trying to say is people can obtain an archery tag and come and hunt deer at different times of the year, more so even in the rut. And what I got to tell you is phenomenal because we're hunting bucks that are between 160 to 175. Um, That's your average. So 170 average, 165 to 170 average is your top in milder buck that's rutting does. So the above average buck is going to be over 170, so 170 to 190 class. And then what we would call the, the, the next level, the exceptional buck, is we always come across two or three bucks that are going to break 190 to even break 200 inches. As a matter of fact, um, a year ago, uh, we had a gentleman, first time ever from Texas, came over, had an OTC tag, had a bunch of deer pad in the water, had a great big buck coming in, uh, sat him at water. And he shot a buck that grossed 223 inches. First meal there ever, 19 yards, out of a blind, grossed 223 inches. Now, that was the biggest buck we've ever killed on an OTC hunt. But the potential of that kind of buck is here. Um, most guys shoot 160 to 170 class deer. But it's not uncommon to see a you know 175 to you know 190 class deer. It's just It's a phenomenal hunt. Yeah, you don't hear of those type of opportunities on an over-the-counter over, over the counter tag, that's for sure. 
you know, there's a huge movement in the archery world about over-the-counter tags in Arizona. You know, we've been advocating that to get the, the message out for hunters that, you know, want them to come to Arizona. And there's so many mule deer here. Uh, you know, you got to understand the terrain. You got to understand how to hunt them. Um, certainly there's room for do-it-yourselfers, but as a do-it-yourselfer, especially folks that are coming from the East Coast and Midwest that are whitetail hunters, you have to be versed and understand a couple of things. You need to be able to understand what true spot and stock is. And uh, you need to understand that long-range shooting with your bow is essential on a spot and stock. When I say that, 50 yards to 80 yards is very common of shots. Now, yeah, if we killed deer at closer range, I mean, we had a guy from Minnesota, his name Richard Fisk. He was here and um, he shot a buck this year, about 180 inch deer at 25 yards on a spot and stock. But he's also shot deer. This is like, I think he's killed four mule deer with us over the last eight years. Um, he has shot deer at 19 yards and he's shot deer at 25 yards and he's shot deer at 80 yards. You just, you know, with today's technology and bows, those are realistic opportunities that can happen. Um, but I tell people to to try to shoot at 50 to 70 yards. I think that that's realistic with today's bow equipment. Um, I also want to encourage people, if they're going to come out, um, that they have great optics on tripods and they learn how to glass, understand how to grid, all those types of things, spotting scopes have the right gear. You never know. It's extremely warm in Arizona and can be extremely cold. Uh, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, um, honestly, there's so many do-it-yourself opportunities out here. But the reality of it is the success is extremely low because most guys, you know, it's just difficult to hunt mule deer with a boat. They're not stupid. So um, I know that our success uh, guided uh, opportunities is extremely high. We take about 30 over-the-counter mule deer hunters Last year, uh, we keep a, <laughs> it's pretty funny. And we made Alex sign her name, by the way, on the, on the miss board, because she did miss a few shot opportunities. That's a great <laughs> year, but, uh, then and those happened, but it's a kind of a standing joke. You know, we have this miss board and everybody's got to put the misses up at the end of the day, but we had 62 missed shots with 30, um, hunters. Every single one of our hunters had at least one shot opportunity. Um, some with multiple shot opportunities. Um, and, um, this year, um, you know, we, we only harvested six bucks with a bow um, guided. The year before, we actually killed 16 out of 30. Um, you just never know. A lot of it just depends. It's hunting, you know. These aren't high-fenced. Um, and so you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, and then, like you said, that's that definitely makes it difficult with, you know, those far shots, but it's not unobtainable with, you know, today's equipment. I, I remember you know, probably even five years ago when I was just hunting whitetails, you know, I never practiced out beyond 40 yards. And as I started going out West and, and, you know, getting your bows tuned and being comfortable with it, I practiced in the yard out to 80 all the time. And, and that makes you so much better at those close shots and also opens up the opportunities, you know, that much more, you know, for, for those type of spot and stock, um, opportunities that, that, you know, and just looking at your pictures online, it seems like it's uh, a lot more of open country and it's, it's really, I'm, I'm guessing really difficult to get any closer. Well, you know, it's kind of crazy is, um, I don't know, you'll be growing up here and stuff for us. Uh, we, we don't see it to be really difficult. Um, but there is a lot of open country. Um, but you know, you know, our methods and, and our guides, they do this every day. You know, we, we start guiding in, in the beginning of August and we roll through all these hunts and we don't end of January 31st. I think last year we had this last season, I haven't tallied it up. I think I had 162 or 163 actual days in the field, you know? And so because you have there and having all these different opportunities and watching these deer and elk and antelope and seeing their movement patterns and understanding their, their escape routes, even when they're not being hunted, you, you just, you're really learning where to place people and have a really good understanding of, of where you need to be and what the terrain is and how to move. And, you know, there's just so many, so many factors, uh, that play a role, but, uh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. There is a lot of open space. You know, I mean, we, well, unfortunately, in our country, um, we're up here where it's pinion juniper um, with a lot of cliff rows. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of definite, um, you know, brush and trees and, and stuff that allow us that opportunity to get guys, you know, pretty close, you know. So uh, we've had some incredible hunts uh, this year. We had Adam Greentree up here. Um, hunted with us, killed a great buck, uh, shot that buck actually at 72 yards, um, in its bed in the neck. Uh, one of the most incredible shots I'd ever seen anybody do. Um, but he also had a couple of other opportunities and, and actually missed a couple of bucks that were a little bit closer. Uh, but again, you know, it's, it's still, it's hunting and, um, you know, you know, I know that the, just the spot and stock opportunities are just phenomenal. Um, you just got to be patient. I think being in great shape is important. You'd be surprised how, how physical it can be. Um, and I think, you know, you got to know your equipment, you got to shoot your bow, got to be patient. Um, so those do it yourselfers, you know, I mean, a lot of guys out there come out here and do it yourself and do, do well, but, uh, you know, you got to be prepared. It's, it's not white tiffany. It's just completely different. And even with the yourselfers, we do semi-guided hunts, you know, where we can help guys, you know, kind of understand what they need to do. But on the other standpoint, you know, I don't think it's a bad deal to come out and be guided once or twice even. So you can really get the feel of what it takes to, uh, to be able to, to hunt mule deer, you know, with a bow. And then I think that a guy could go out on his own with what they learned from a guide after one or two seasons. And I think that probably helped them out, but yeah, again, you know, everybody's got their way. So, yeah, well, I was actually one of my first guests on the podcast, a, a good friend of mine, Matt comment, who's done a lot of sheep hunts and some different things and, and elk hunts and everything else. And he was telling me he, he does a lot of a mixture of, you know, do it yourself and guided. He goes, he goes, I'd recommend if someone can save, you know, a couple of years to, to go on, you know, a guided hunt or whatever it may be, he goes and be an active participant and not go into it thinking, oh, I'm going in guided. So, you know, I'm just, it's going to be a given, you know, obviously, like you said, this isn't a high fence operation. It's still hunting. And he goes, but you can learn so much you know, from going with someone that's experienced like yourself or, or anyone else that, that can, you know, teach you th that kind of stuff that maybe, you know, down the road, you can go, you know, yourself or whatever that may be. I, I know. Um, so j just from my, my dad went on a, a late season mule deer hunt in January, New Mexico last year, he drew one of the, uh, one of the units up in Northwestern New Mexico there. And, he was just telling me how difficult it was from the standpoint of, you know, we, we've never hunted mule deer before, but he's like, those ears are that big for a reason too. And he goes, when you're getting, you know, close into them there, there, uh, it, it can be difficult. That's for sure. <laughs> well, it's so funny. You talk about that New Mexico. Don't get me wrong. I think drawing that New Mexico tag in January that he had is phenomenal up there in 2B2C. I know, I know which tag you're talking about. Yeah, it was 2B. But you... Yeah, but you know, I'll tell you right now, the caliber of bucks that you can hunt in Arizona are as good, if not better, than the weight it takes for somebody to draw that tag. You can come here to Arizona. I got a lot of guys that drew the 2B2C tag and had just not such a great hunt and called me up at the last minute and came to Arizona and hunted the OTC hunt while their 2B tag or 2C tag was going on. And they said they never even was even close to the caliber of hunt. It was so much better here in Arizona. And honestly, our weather is phenomenal, man. Think about this. Rutten bucks, December, January. Temperatures, eh, 50, maybe on a warm day, 62. Um, and our deer love when the temperatures in the 50s and 60s. They don't shut down. They rut harder. They move so much more. It's just unreal. As a matter of fact, if it gets below 20 degrees, our deer bush up. You know, they, they, it's very cold for them. You know, Arizona deer, they're fair weather deer. They're used to the warmer temperatures. So it gets too cold. You won't see a deer move. You know, so it's really, it's just completely different and opposite of what you would expect. But I know this much. When our temperatures are 55, 60 degrees, our bucks are rutting their butts off. And, um, it's just incredible. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not knocking the New Mexico hunt. Um, I've actually been involved in that hunt. I've got very good friends that outfit over there and we've had a lot of long talks about it. And 
And uh, I'm telling you, uh, I think people would be pleasantly surprised how much uh, better of a hunt that this, this is, especially it's guaranteed. And there's millions of acres of public land. You don't have to be on private land. Millions of acres of public land out there. Um, and, and, you know, if people ask me all the time, JP, you know, if, you know, and we do offer scouting packages and semi-guided hunts to help hunters and et cetera. But I've had a lot of people ask me like, JP, you know, where, where, where should we go hunt? You know? And I said, you know what? I want you to take the Northern Arizona and I want you to take a dart and throw it. And wherever that dart hits, you stand as good of a chance to kill a 170 to 180 class deer as you would anywhere else. And that's just a fact, you know, yeah. phenomenal. I'm going to be hunting here. Yeah. You, know, you just got to put your time in and you got to know what you're doing. No, that's, it's funny you say that. Like, as far as like with New Mexico, I think that tag that he drew, it was like a ridiculously low chance of six, you know, of drawing. And he went in with a buddy. He was like, Hey, you know, you should put in for this tag with me. We'll probably, you know, never draw. And he drew it the, the first year, but that was just, you know, it had luck from that, that standpoint. But he, um, as far as like with, you know, Arizona, when you're talking about, you know, bucks of, you know, even 150 to 170 for the opportunity to be able to hunt rutting mule deer with a bow and being able to get that tag every year, if you'd wanted to, that's amazing in itself, you know? Well, that's, that's what I'm getting at. You know, I, I, I want to get the word out. I think that, I think it for the hunting industry, um, people that want to come out here and have just a phenomenal hunt, um, they're missing out if they have, if they've anybody's ever dreamt about just hunting mill deer as a whole, but let alone in the rut, that's when the biggest bucks show themselves. It's just so fun, man. It's every year you'll see it, you know, on social media, you know, it's really, really been, uh, re- really, it's gotten so big. You can see that there are people that come here, never even been here before. And, you know, harvest an incredible animal. You know, and it's not just mule deer. I mean, there's coos deer over the counter. You can hunt a coos deer if a guy wanted to. Um, it's just an incredible opportunity. And, and you know, my, my hopes is to educate people and uh, so that they understand that the hunting opportunities in Arizona are not what the stigma and the myths are that you got to wait 20 years. Yeah. So when you, when you were saying about, um, you know, preparing for a hunt, you know, with you or or anything else, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, preparation that goes into it. And that's a lot of that, that I try to, you know, help people out with is the preparation standpoint and everything else. And you had mentioned about being physically, you know, fit will help with, uh, with those opportunities. What are some other things from a preparation standpoint that you're looking for your hunters to have to increase their chances of success? Well, you know, there's certainly the basics are really simple is, you know, you want to be in good physical fitness shape as good as you can, because, you know, most of the terrain you're hunting is five to six, even 7,000 feet. And people come from, you know, the Midwest or the East coast or something, you know, they're at sea level. So number one, you got to be climatized to that. Number two, obviously you have to shoot your bow. You have to know your bow. You have to know your equipment. You have to shoot and be, be very, 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 you know, um, in tune to, to what your equipment's capabilities are. When you prepare, I always tell people that'll, you know, that old theory, train to hunt. You need to train to hunt. And that includes shooting your bow to hunt, you know? And I tell people all the time, I said, you know, just because you're, you're sitting in your garage or a shooting range, doesn't mean you can't shoot off your knees. Doesn't mean you can't simulate that you have to shoot around a bush. Um, I mean, those are the types of things you have to do because that's the realistic situation that you're going to have here. Most of that, to be honest with you, I'd say 75% of the shots are taken from the knee. People that are on their knees because they've been sneaking and crawling, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and usually they have to step around or they have to kind of take their torso, torso around a bush to get the shot. And people don't, shoot their bows that way for instance um i think it's imperative that you have incredible optics the best that you can afford um i think you need to learn how to glass off a tripods um i also believe that your actual gear your actual gear that you wear you know cotton kills you know that old saying um we're big into uh, performance wear and sitka has been a proven company that has just proven to have the best 
um, hunting where there is on the market, in our opinion. Uh, they're set up for every season, from the hot season to the coldest seasons. I mean, they make waterfowl stuff. And believe it or not, we wear some of their waterfowl stuff because, you know, Arizona, we're fair-weather guys. And so if the temperatures get below 30 or 20 degrees, you know, uh, we get a little bit of cold. And that may not be cold as some of you guys. It's cold to us, you know. But yeah. But, you know, using their equipment is imperative, you know, and, and, and being able to be comfortable and, and move and and all that is, is the whole package on top of doing some homework. You know, there's a couple of old books that out there. One of them is Hunting High Country Mule Deer, written by Mike Easton. Easton. I, I, I think that's one of the greatest books somebody could read. I think it's an incredible read. Um, Cameron Haynes just came out with a, with some information and, and um I mean, there's just all sorts of research, and I think you can read and research as much as you can, watch video, call as many people as you can, and just try to take in that information and see what works for you. But at the end of the day, the basics are simple. You got to be in good shape. You got to know your equipment. You got to know how to use your equipment, and you have to have the right equipment um, to be able to, you know, to to be able to put on yourself a good hunt. I mean, you're cutting yourself short, and you're cutting your animal short by shortchanging yourself. Yeah. I mean, and, but you got to be realistic about what you can afford. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is like when you're and I've had John Barklow from Sicka on the podcast here twice to talk about it. And I, I worked for a Sicka dealer for three years and just built systems for people all over the world. And I've became such a big believer in it. And it wasn't, you know, before I even started, you know, working with them on, on different things, it was well before that I became a believer in it. Once I realized how the systems work together and moisture management and just being comfortable in those different situations is, is imperative to especially Western hunting, but you know, even whitetails, um, not to go down that rabbit hole, but it, it can be imperative to it. And if you're, you know, spending money on these hunts, I, I always say that, you know, I would rather spend money on tags versus gear, but if you can, you know, put some uh, money aside to be able to, to do that. It, it can definitely, it definitely won't hurt. Let's put it that way. Well, I'll tell you what, John Barco is an incredible human being and uh, he is, you know, for Sitka, he's in charge of all their gear development and that guy takes that serious. And um, I can tell you that he takes the input from everybody and a lot of it from, from the guides and outfitters that he works with. And we're fortunate to be part of that team and he is, they're dedicated, Sitka is dedicated um, to just making their products better. And um, I've wore it all. Um, I can go back to the old days of, of uh, you know, when Realtree first came out and, and Mossy Oak and all that stuff. And it's just evolved to a whole different level and a whole different animal. And what's really been nice to be part of the Sitka team is to see how they continue to be the leading edge and continue to work through the evolution of of the of, of what's going on in the outdoor industry and definitely the outdoor wear. Yeah, I mean J- John has been so great to me, you know, uh personally, he's, I'd almost consider him a mentor like as far as when I was working like I said for a dealer that you know, I would call him for help on systems and he really taught me the ins and outs of it and 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 everything and re- like you said he takes all the guys at sick. I mean, I work with Chris Derrick a lot on the whitetail side and those guys just listen to, you know, things that suggestions you might have or problems that you had or, or, you know, anything. And, and they really take it to heart and test it out. And, you know, and can, that's why they continue to push the envelope with things and keep coming out with, you know, better specific, um, gear from from that standpoint so i i completely agree with that and that's that's great that you know they're working with obviously outfitters like yourself are spending more time in the field than anyone else could even you know dream of so that (laughs) that input from from you guys is uh, i'm sure just you know is as important as it gets to them well absolutely absolutely and i and again i i um it's so funny because you know We'll, we'll get ourselves and all our guides are outfitted in Sitka and, and uh, you know, we have a little, we're setting up a Sitka, a uh, little in uh, uh lodge store for when people come and stay with us if they need some gear. But 
every year we think, okay, we got plenty of Sitka for the year. Then Barclay comes out with some new design, and it's just like, oh man, okay, <laughs> okay, this is a better product now. So we got, we got to make that change, you know. And I look at Barclay and I see him once in a while. I say, man, you're you're killing me, bro. But thanks for doing that because it's really been extremely helpful, you know, for sure. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. So like you say, gear is extremely important um, from that standpoint, and and shooting your bow and being comfortable with your equipment is, I guess. It sounds like what you're saying is just knowing your equipment in in and out and and being able to, uh, I guess, be comfortable in that. Absolutely. And again, you know, you want to be comfortable and you want to be able to do it physically. And there's just, it's just the total package. But again, you know, I tell people, man, you don't have to go spend three and four thousand dollars on a brand new setup of equipment. Uh, just you got to be realistic to do what you can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's important. And there's a lot of optics out there like Leopold optics. We work hand in hand with Leopold. Leopold's binoculars are phenomenal. They come out with that new 1556 Santorium and, and the 12 powers. And I mean, my, that my guide outfit is completely training over there because I think the cost, the affordability, the clarity, I mean, I have nothing but great things to say about what's going on with, uh, with, with that. So I just, people just need to do a little bit of the research and understand, you know, what's out there because there's some incredible, incredible opportunities out there. Awesome. So how much does it usually cost for an over-the-counter archery mule deer tag? I know you'd said the license cost earlier, but I can't remember if you had uh, touched on the actual cost of the tag. It's 300 bucks for the tag, 300 bucks. So you're 460 bucks out of pocket and you have a guaranteed tag to hunt mule deer or coos deer whatever species you want, can only kill one per calendar year, one deer. So if you chose a mule deer, you can't go hunt the coos deer. If you kill the coos deer, you can't come hunt the mule deer. But it's 460 bucks out of pocket. That's it. And that's pretty reasonable. Now, you're going to have other expenses, obviously. You're, you're coming to your trip out here and you're lodging your meals, your camp, however you're going to do it. If you go outfitted, there's certainly a price structure for that. There is a bunch of private land, not, not like back where you guys are from, but there are private land opportunities. If people don't want to hunt on the public, sometimes the the public lands can be a little bit busy. I tell non-residents, if you are going to come and you're going to do it yourself, my recommendation is hunt Monday through Friday because there's so many days of hunting opportunities that the locals typically go out on Friday afternoon, Saturday, Sunday, and they're back by Sunday afternoon. And you won't have as much hunt pressure on a Monday through Friday type of a hunt if that's available. On the weekends, no, and because they're very popular. I mean, think about it. If, if you know you can shoot a 180 to 190, maybe even a 200-inch mule deer um, in the rut with your bow, why wouldn't you go out and hunt it, you know? And so the locals, you know, uh, tend to, 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 to hit the, the weekends pretty hard, and uh, and then they leave the week, you know, during the week pretty dry, you know, so. Yeah. What about, um, you, you were touched on a little bit earlier about an early season hunt that starts in the end of August, I believe. Is that, is that correct? Oh yeah. That's, that's a phenomenal hunt, man. You know, hunting bucks in a velvet. I mean, it's the typical honey meal deer in velvet. Uh, they're very docile. The weather's extremely warm and even in Arizona, obviously hot. It can be in the nineties, even a hundred degrees, depending on when you come. Uh, you do have to prepare for rains because that's the time of the year. In northern Arizona, when we have monsoon rains, uh, water um, patterns are very, very patternable. Minerals, um, you know, there's no there's no kind of baiting or any of that in Arizona, but but the deer will find different minerals, you know, natural minerals, um, salt blocks and stuff, or somewhere maybe a rancher might have out for their cattle. They'll have salt out, and you'll see uh, mule deer hitting that, you know, as they're growing their horns. Uh, but water is definitely the biggest commodity out here for sure is that normally do you normally do spot and stock with that early hunt or is it more sitting on those water holes no it's i would say that both both hunts in in the august and december i would tell you that 80 percent of what we do is spot and stock okay about 20 percent is big water yeah gotcha yeah. but gotcha. if we got a hell of a buck coming to water and we got them on trail cam you know, we use self cams and, you know, I typically have about 150 to 200 trail cams out. If we got a, if, if we got a good buck coming to water consistent, I mean, we'll offer the opportunity to our hunters to say, you know, here you go. Do you want to shoot this buck? And like I said, that Texas boy, I mean, he shot a 220 inch deer that way. 
Um, I showed him the deer, had him pattern water, said, this buck's going to come in at this time on this day. And he did exactly what we said was going to happen. And so, I mean, you have to look at, you know, how you want to do it. But I do have some guys that even didn't matter the size of the deer. Their whole goal was to spot and stock. So that's what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and I, I guess it comes down to, you know, what you want out of that hunt and, and your, you know, own personal goals from that, from that standpoint. But I, I think if you told me, you know, you had a 180 inch buck coming into water, I think I'd listen to you and do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. And, and the great part is we'll be able to show you on pics, you know, what that buck looks like. So. Yeah. But, you know, we're just been real blessed, you know, uh, that have the country we have and the meal deer that we have. Um, and, you know, we haven't even got into the subject of, of antelope and elk, you know. And, I mean, I, I want to mention this, too. I mean, people think they need to wait 20 years to draw an elk tag. That's that's not true either. I mean, you can draw an elk tag in a matter of one to two years in Arizona. Um, the problem is, is everybody thinks they need to draw the most coveted, tag in the rut in unit nine or unit one or unit 10, something like that. When in fact you can draw tags and what they would consider a less density unit of elk, or maybe not as high of a trophy quality, but shoot, man, people are still killing 300 to 350 class elk. And if you think about it, like there's a hunt called a limited opportunity hunt and it's only because limited opportunity means that there's low elk densities to Arizona standards, not to the standards across the country, the Arizona standards. Um, we take 10 hunters a year on that hunt, and our average size elk is 335. I mean, we guys who shoot 300, we even had guys shoot 380 caliber elk, you know. And um, so, and that tag right there is a like a, 30, 40% chance to draw without any bonus points. Guaranteed tag with like three or, or four bonus points. So 50 to 70% of our hunters are drawing it in one to two years. Well, and they're not waiting 20 years. I'm kind of it's upset up. that I didn't talk to you a little over a month ago <laughs> before I didn't I, yeah, I didn't yeah. put in for any points. <laughs> you well, know. The draw's coming out. Like right now, it's the draw's happening right now. So if you did put in for your Arizona better be checking your credit card because your credit card, if it says uh, there's a charge on it for the Arizona game of fish specifically 650 bucks means you drew an elk tag somewhere. So, you know, you need to be looking at your credit card because the draws are occurring right now. And the results will be posted probably in about two weeks, but the draw is happening right now. Yeah. And they normally hit your credit card before that, before you see the actual results. If I'm, if I remember right. That, that is correct. You'll see that you'll see a charge of your credit card from Arizona Game Fish. You won't know the results of what you actually drew. Ninety percent of the time, people drew their first choice. Mm -hmm. But you know, you got to still wait to see what the actual tag issuance is in case you did get luck. You know, you did get your second choice. But most non-residents usually they draw their first choice, and if they knew what they applied for, they have a good understanding. You know, and again, we at Big Channel we help we help the hunters. Um, do that process when that time frame comes we look at the strategies we look at the draw odds we talk about them when they when they want to come and explain the whole process and i got a guy named like I, I mentioned earlier you know this richard fisk out of minnesota he spends a lot of time hunting with us and he drew an elk tag again and i think this is his third elk tag in arizona in the last eight years um he's drawn an antelope tag um as well killed a big antelope a year, you know, a couple of years ago, which is very difficult to do, uh, with very limited bonus points. Um, and it's because he's following our algorithm and our system and he's able to come out of here and, and hunt those, those elk and hunt those antelope. And then again, every year he buys it, you know, guaranteed, we know Richard will be here. He buys his, uh, over the counter meal deer tag and comes out every year. So he takes advantage of that, of those hunt opportunities. But, you know, we got a great algorithm to help people draw tags. If, you know, be realistic about what you want to kill, you know? Yeah. Uh, the magic yeah. number that everybody throws out is 400, 400, 400. Well, you know, great. You know, very few 400-inch bulls live in Arizona. They're not behind every tree. So, But I can tell you right now, 320 to 350 bulls is a hell of a bull, you know? So, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of those here, a lot of those. 
Yeah, and no, that's that's super. I mean, that that's cool in its own. I mean, even in any other state, to even saying three twenty to three fifty. I mean, that's a that's a big bull, you know. And and I I know maybe it's just my own personal preference. I I don't care as much about the size. Obviously, everybody wants a, a giant bull, but I want the experience, you know, and and being able to see that. And I I've noticed that with you know, a lot of my listeners and everything, they're more about the opportunity and being able to have those chances at, you know, a good bowl or anything rather than, you know, that, that 400 mark, you know, for me, it's not, you know, hunting elk isn't a bucket list item. It's, it's something that, that I want to do and I want to continue to do. So it's, you know, that, that, that magic number isn't as important to me personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, if you get a hold of us at Big Chino Outfitters, we can we can help steer their direction. And um but, you know, at the end of the day, there's just so many great hunting opportunities out here and I just, you know, wanna get the word out and let people on the East Coast know, you know, that they don't have to wait twenty years for any tags. If they, they, they pay attention and they call the right folks that live here and do it and do it day in and day out that we can, we can certainly help them get to where they need to be and be able to come out and, ha- and, and fulfill that dream to come out and hunt the West and hunt big bucks and big bulls and, and enjoy the incredible weather. Uh, it's just phenomenal, you know, and again, you know, uh, I want to just touch base and, and do a shout out to Alex Templeton and, you know, who introduced us. Uh, what I will tell you about Alex is I, you know, there's this big wave and big movement of female, hunting in the hunting industry and and uh you know I, i've had the pleasure to hunt with julie mcqueen um who is the president of the carbon tv now and and spent a lot of time with julie on different hunts she's come out and actually done this over-the-counter meal deer hunt you know for s- several years i've hunted with her and and uh, there's been a bunch of gals out there eva shock you know julie cruder you know Jana waller all those folks you know really took female hunting into the next level of, of the industry to really get the exposure out there. And, and there's several other Christy Titers, all, all of them, you know, it's been impact, you know, the impact's been incredible. And then you have this next wave coming up that I, you know, kind of what I see, you know, and, and, uh, Alex Templeton's part of that. Sarah Lopter, Lopter, she's part of that. Kendall Jones. I mean, we have this next wave of young ladies that are going to take, you know, what was started in front of them to a whole nother level. And I'm excited to be part of that, to watch that movement. Um, again, Alex is phenomenal archer, just an incredible uh, gal, you know, country girl. She, she, uh, you know, deals with cattle every day with her dad, you know, just an impressive young lady. And, and, uh, to have her in camp is just actually just such a treat. Cause she's just, you know, she's just a grinder. She works hard, you know, and, uh, and, and she dedicated to the conservation. She dedicated to the outdoor industry and, and, uh, people like that and, and that following of folks that are coming through, um, it's going to just be interesting. You know, I grew up, you know, girls didn't hunt, man. And now you just, it's a great industry. And I, I'm just so happy to see it happening because they're, Female hunters are is just as capable as anybody else to do it. You know, you just got to be in shape. You got to shoot your bow and know your equipment and be dedicated. And I see that, you know, a, a ton, you know. Um, we had Kimmy Greentree, Adam Greentree's wife. She hunted with us, uh, an incredible lady that, uh, you know, just did some, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I could tell you stories of, the, 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 of what that gal did. It was freezing cold, and that gal was out there sticking it out and, you know, you know, 10 degree temperatures and, and hunting mill deer. And it, it, again, they're just double tough. They listen and they have a, you know, they have a, a, a just this drive and mission. And it's just really, really refreshing to, to be part of that. And, you know, we encourage them and, you know, out here, uh, if they come out and hunt, you know, we, we just love to be part of that because I'm, I'm telling you, there's, that's a big movement right now. And, uh, and I hope the outdoor industry is embracing it and recognizes that, that these girls are serious and they, and they are in it for conservation and they're in it and they're making differences. And uh, it's just been really a treat for us that, to be able to be part of that. Yeah, no, definitely. And and like I said, I, I met, you know, Alex recently, I think, I'd been around her a bunch, but just met her at the ATA show, and then um, and then in in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where we recorded the podcast and everything, and 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 she's definitely a you know a great 
you know, person and, and also a great hunter from that standpoint and, and really takes it serious. And, and that's awesome to see that wave, like you said, of, of these women that are just truly passionate about hunting and, and, you know, bringing a positive light to it and, in that respect as well. Absolutely. And again, you know, having, um, um, you know, the opportunity to just be part of that is humbling. And I just, we just enjoy hunting with them. They all have great attitudes and they're serious. You know, I, and I want to make that clear. They are serious. People don't realize how serious they are. Um, and it's just joy. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Don't kid yourself, man. You stand toe to toe with them and shoot. <laughs> you better be on your game because them girls can, can get after it, you know. Get after it. <laughs> I've learned that I don't, I won't shoot up against a girl because normally they are better. And I, <laughs> you know, it takes a lot to admit that, but they are, I don't know what it is if they're just more patient or what, but they usually can outshoot the guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's for, that's for sure. And so, JP, is there anything else from the Arizona standpoint that you wanted to cover and and talk about here on, on the podcast about opportunities or or styles of hunting or anything else? You know, uh, I just want to just reach out. First of all, I just want to thank all our outdoor industry partners. You know, I want to just kind of throw that out there. Uh, without them and support uh, to allow us to to check out the new products and get it out in the field. So people know exactly what to use and how to use it. Um, it's just, you know, again, we're just so grateful. Stealth, GSM, Yeti, Leopold, Sitka, Flatline Maps, um, you know, Schneez from Montana. Um, it's just so many go hunt. Um, there's just a, a ton phone scope, all of them. I mean, they're all, you know, all work hand in hand to get the best, um, products that we can get. Uh, and uh, so that we can make sure that our hunters have the right stuff and by having the right stuff affords the opportunity for them to have the best success. Um, I do want to just mention that big channel outfitters, you know, we guide hunts and, and we, uh, we offer all sorts of opportunities. We tailor our hunts and your hunt to meet your needs everywhere from your do it yourself stuff to scouting packages, semi-guided hunts and fully guided outfitted hunts on private land, public land. And again, you know, we're in it, for the success of the hunt for the hunter. Uh, we're not about taking hundreds and hundreds of hunters. Uh, we really try to keep it very small because we're all about the quality of the hunt. And I think that that's imperative for people. Um, it's a family owned and operated business and uh, whatever we can do to the help the industry and help any hunters out there that learn about Arizona, uh, please, you know, feel free to give us a call and, um, shoot us an email, hit us up on Instagram, big channel outfitters, whatever you need to do to get a hold of us, we will get a hold of you and we will help you come out and live your dream of hunting the West, man. And I think, uh, you know, we're just so appreciative that, that you would call and, and the opportunity to be able to talk on the podcast. And if you ever have any questions, you ever want to talk about Arizona, you want to talk about anything that we got going on out here, conservation, all the different programs that are going on. You call me anytime and I'm here for you. I want to get the information out uh, for the, for Arizona and for hunters to know that the opportunities are here if they just choose to do it. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. And, and definitely to, to give a note to the listeners, if you haven't checked that uh, big Chino outfitters out on Instagram and you want to see what he's talking about, about these mule deer running, I just saw a video the other day that you guys posted with uh, some giant bucks fighting oh man that was that was an awesome uh way to get through um lunch break at work that's for sure <laughs> and i was funny that, that video was actually on alex templeton's hunt um and uh those bucks went at it for about 15 minutes and alex got very close couldn't get the shot off but yeah that was a pretty aggressive uh <laughs> video there uh, two big bucks too one of those bucks probably go close to 180 the other buck was in the 170s and man those bucks went after it yeah that was phenomenal <laughs> yeah pretty savage video yeah they're relentless as far as the the fighting goes there it was that was such a cool video to see and and i'm sure to experience that firsthand is just something that you'll be you know talking about well you know well into later years in your life that's for sure well we're just so fortunate that we were able to capture it on our phone scope and 
can always look back at that, but you know, we see that stuff all the time. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Again, I just want to thank you, uh, for the East meets the West podcast. You know, it's a great podcast. We listen to it all the time and, uh, big Chino outfitters, uh, you know, whatever we can do, you know, to be part of your team to help, uh, folks out there to get the information. They can call us or email us or IM us, whatever, anytime. We'd love to talk to them. Awesome. Well, JP, thank you very much for coming on. I, I, like I said, I really appreciate it and look forward to talking to you again soon. Hey, again, thank you so much. And I wish everybody well. Good luck out there with the Arizona draws. Anybody who applied, uh, you guys get ready because the results are coming. You're going to be in your lap here real quick. Let us know <laughs> if we can help. Awesome. All right, JP, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.